I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a podcast on everything from employment to aircraft carriers. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Number Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. I'm Yazad, an economist, and I'm Shambhavi, a cell biologist. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. Today we have Pranay Kotasthani and Anupam Manur and I'm Yazad Jal. Anupam, you wanted to tell us a story. Yeah, Yazad. Uh, let's just go back a hundred years and um, to England. In, and there was a particular county fair that was happening, which was basically all the villages coming together and having a gala time. And uh, part of this county fair was this one particular competition which was to guess the weight of an ox so they had put an ox right in the middle of the county fair and they asked all the participants who had come there and there was probably uh, a few hundreds which had gathered and they asked each person to guess the weight of an ox interestingly at that same point there was a person there who had visited the county fair called Francis Galton who was a statistician and a mathematician so the person was got really interested in this uh, county fair and he said, Let, let's change the rules a little bit. Instead of people randomly shouting out, they can write it in a piece of paper and give it to me. Uh, he collected all these chits, a few hundreds of them and uh, of different people's guesses. And he cal- you know, put it all in a piece of paper, calculated the sum of it, then took the average. And he found that the average was 1,197 pounds. Right? That's the collective uh, the average of all the people's guesses. Mm. Do you know what the actual weight of the ox was? Do you want to take a guess? 1,198 pounds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just off by one pound. Yeah. Right? And this actually started, I mean, it's quite some time back. So this um, got into the people thinking about the wisdom of the crowd, right? Yeah. That you can actually get quite an accurate uh piece of information by involving as many different people as possible and you can get uh, you know information which is diverse and and uh, that is basically you know the average of people's guesses would turn out to be right mm. had tip to planet money podcast yeah. for bringing this up because th- th- they had an episode on this yeah. and that got us thinking actually anupam actually i don't think there's there's severe limitations with wisdom of <coughs> crowds as well right like the biggest uh, problem is something called information cascades. Basically, <clears throat> a cascade develops when people abandon their own information in favor of inferences based on earlier people's actions. Right. Now, I think you will notice this, especially when we are doing rating for restaurants, right? So many times you might have had a bad experience, but because many people have rated it well on Zomato or somewhere else, you might tend to discard your the information you have uh, and go with the crowd's opinion. So even though objectively the restaurant is bad, because many people before you have given a good rating, you might continue saying that it is good. I mean, right? There could be an anchoring effect there as well, right? Yeah. Uh, you look at a 4.8 on 5 rating and you've had a terrible experience. You're more likely to think that, oh, probably this was a one-off or there's something wrong yeah. with my thinking about this and yes. so on. Is what you're saying. Correct. So this uh, there's a very famous book, uh, Networks, Crowds and Markets. And that talks about how these information cascades are a big problem. And it leads to groupthink and all those kind of things. So we, we might actually take wrong decisions based on wisdom of crowds, right? So why do you think wisdom of... In what conditions can wisdom of crowds actually yeah. work? So it, actually the, the, the entire this thing of prediction markets mm-hmm. is based on a finance theory called efficient market hypothesis. Mm-hmm. That is to say that 
markets are extremely efficient in picking up information from a you know diverse set of people mm. and the ultimate price of a commodity mm. especially a financial commodity which is what prediction markets will have um it will truly reflect all of this diverse information that is out there mm. Mm. right so that's the basic basis of efficient market hypothesis okay so if you look at a stock market or a stock price and so on mm. yes there can be you know bull and bear runs and so on or an asset bubble that picks up mm. but by and large you the efficient market hypothesis says that the price truly reflects this kind of collective wisdom mm. right and of course there are conditions under which it will work mm. and which kind of you know goes against the what you were saying not mm. goes against but probably gives gives it a better shape yeah, of when it can mitigate some of the problems that lead to information gap precisely so mm. uh, james surowiecki which mm. who's uh, the author of this book called the wisdom of the crowds okay. he he talks about three necessary conditions for mm. uh the prediction market or the efficient market hypothesis to work well and uh, basically it says that a there should be diversity of information mm. so again not if you know you uh, this group think is not there right uh, different people have different sets of information which is diverse from one another mm. two that there should be independence of decision right. so again this anchoring effect should not take place it shouldn't be correlated yeah uh, or that you know people are not Uh, heavily influenced because of you know your mm. social media influencers and so on mm. that each person is able to think independently based on the diverse information they have mm. Mm. and finally third is there should be a decentralization of organization mm. that it's not all you know again it's not a centralized kind of body which is doing this so under these three condition you would find that prediction markets work quite well mm. yeah but those conditions are tough to achieve right Uh, not entirely if many times are it's i difficult to isolate the source of information on the basis of which we take decisions for example people would have read the same oped or people would have read the same data point before coming to the decision so to ensure independence and diversity of sources is slightly tough yeah it's it's yeah it's not a walk in the park but mm. it these things tend to happen when the prediction market or the base for the prediction market is as diverse as possible so um mm. i would like to think and i i could be wrong on this mm. but if you have a question on let's say um something which affects let's say all of india mm. and you're asking people to bet on that versus you just take a poll in takshashila office mm. right which we've also done by the way mm. uh you then you tend to have you know uh more inaccurate kind of results when it is a small crowd mm. uh when there's not a lot of diversity of information as against when there it is truly diverse mm. so just to kind of i mean let's let's see instances where it has worked and it's mm. not in the history of prediction markets okay um the first i think organized mm. prediction market was in 1998 uh during the us elections and this was called the iowa's electronic markets right mm. so 1988 mm. uh, us presidential elections uh and and you found that the accuracy rating on that was extremely mm. you know high uh the general forecast done by people was quite hmm. uh, close to what the actual results were hmm. so this was the first instance of that and and since then there's been quite a lot of uh, prediction markets hmm. and and you'd find that the overall accuracy levels have been quite high when it comes to you know election results and so on uh there've been specialized Mm. uh prediction markets as well so based on one particular commodity or you know there's been a prediction market on google's ipo as well for example and all of these have done fairly well uh, mm. to be honest uh, in terms of accuracy scores now 
I'll tell you two big misses, and I don't know what we can take away from that. Before you go to the misses, okay. I'll tell you one more hit. Uh, the U.S. intelligence community, for example, it recognized the value of this around ten years ago, and there's a paper, a CIA paper from two thousand six. Okay, and it says that prediction markets can contribute to more accurate estimates of long-term trends and threats. and better cost benefit assessments of ongoing or proposed policies wow okay. so right. even in intelligence this developing a skill of being able to take into account how things might change if you uh, obviously if you do it at an individual level people will get some hits some misses but when you aggregate it over diverse uh, people it has better results so they are using it for a lot of their forecasting and doing long term intelligence analysis that's fascinating i think this is an area to be explored at a slightly higher level of depth right i yeah. mean what are the potential uh, use cases for uh prediction market i mean and i think intelligence if you can uh get this i mean again aggregate diverse bits of information yeah. in the country and make uh good guesses or predictions on intelligence i think that would be a fantastic result and an outcome out of all absolutely of this. yeah you were talking about the misses okay the misses two big misses and it's mm. extreme again very recent mm. and this is where i think we have to again tighten with your information cascades role mm. of influencers and so on right let me guess one of them trump's okay. election trump's election 2016 and brexit brexit exactly wow. <laughs> two of the big mm. events mm. uh you know which was uh, which happened in the recent past have mm. uh, prediction markets got it wrong mm. in fact if you looked at the prediction market for brexit it, they said that more than 60% uh, would remain okay right mm. uh, and and i again we we got to you know tear away at the the exteriors and kind of get at to why hmm. this would have happened right both hmm. uh, trump's election and and hmm. this thing i i i think there are reasonable kind of explanations out there i've not had a chance to really look at them but i think that would be an interesting case to just follow and see why that's happened but hmm. i think a big part of it would be the information cascade hmm. right pranay yeah absolutely but can we relate them to the three conditions that you said do you know where it would have failed in the three conditions that you said right for markets to work yeah was there diversity of information i'm again not not quite sure on mm. this i mean if you looked at the kind of targeted campaigning etc that was done mm. um and also we don't know i mean they they you you could have had a classical this thing right that is people who would vote for remain would probably be more active on prediction market or people who would vote for democrats would probably yeah. be more active that kind of a bias yeah. in the entire thing could have come and, in as and, well and worse i think even trump supporters thought trump would lose mm. so if you know they might have voted for trump but in the prediction market might have said that hillary would win right. precisely yeah that mm. that could have happened as well yes uh, absolutely true uh, independence of decision i think that is again something that can be questioned right mm. uh, in such a uh, yeah this uh, thing when you're even when you're predicting you tend to predict uh, again going with what you're saying mm. if if you know that remember this is at a time when most analysts around the world mm. did not give trump a chance and did not give brexit a chance mm. right and, and so the anchoring effect again would have been so large to think that there's no way that trump would come in or no way that brexit would happen yeah. that as you said even though you might have voted for trump or voted to leave mm. in the prediction market you might have been tempted to actually uh, you know uh, predict the other way around and in in trump there's one more wrinkle trump won uh, the uh, he did, he lost the popular vote he may have won the electoral college but right. if you look at the popular vote the prediction market was right 
so yeah uh, you can bring in that layer of complication as well but uh, yeah that's uh, probably i mean these are guesses at best mm. as to why the prediction market could have failed right uh, well takshashila has his own prediction market anupam uh would you want to talk about that and how uh, our listeners can join in as well <laughs> right so yeah we've been running a, a prediction market for the last year or so and it's it's thrown up some really interesting this thing and i think overall um there are very very few instances where the the accuracy has been completely off at least yeah. you know where there's been you know uh, more than 10 or 20% off the actual result so mm. uh, what has happened is that we we've opened up the prediction market to all of our students who mm. uh, take our courses and of course we've opened it up to the public as well mm. and uh, there must be about i think 200 to 250 people active on the prediction market and i would also probably believe that this is uh, one of the only prediction market running in india uh if i'm not mistaken i've i've been trying to find you know other mm. prediction markets in india and i've not been very successful mm. so uh and we've had a variety of questions from rbi's policy monetary policy decision to of course elections from state elections to national elections and so on mm. um and yeah i i don't think the crowd has been wrong so far mm. uh in terms of being able to guess the outcome uh can you remember any question where it was way off i no, don't think i, I can no yeah i have not looked at it properly yeah. so. so uh that yeah but the, but the reason we are doing this is twofold one again uh aggregate this diverse bits of information see what you know students know though it's slightly more homogeneous a population that you know uh partaking in the predictions than i would like to believe but yet i think it it still gives just about enough diversity to kind of get some valuable insights out of this diverse uh, this thing but it's also i think a great pedagogical tool that yeah. not many people have uh, utilized it's a great pedagogical tool in in getting people to you know if you're going to make a bet and you're going to put your money where your mouth is mm. uh, and by the way it's fake currency betting is illegal in india yeah. just putting mm. it out there okay mm. we're not doing anything illegal <laughs> yeah if you're going to put your fake money where your mouth is mm. uh there are chances of you doing a lot of research on that and at least following up the news on that and so on is far higher than just making random speculations right yeah. so i think this also goes back to the the basic origin of prediction market um and why it is tends to be a lot more accurate than surveys because in surveys you have social desirability bias you have mm. lots of other biases coming in and you tend to kind of say what uh, you think is the ideal answer yeah. you you think what the person questioning you you want to impress that person so you want to give the answer that that person yeah. is looking for might yeah your guess of what that person might want yeah. to hear yeah. right whereas in in uh, prediction market because a it's not a person asking it a, a tool and that probably helps a bit but more importantly i think it's because you're asked to put your money where your mouth is anubam but since it is fake currency you better give gifts to the people who predict well only then this condition applies because currently it's a fake currency so i can uh, again have the same bias there are marks it. associated with the fake currency for a student at least so, yeah. <laughs> so they, they, yeah. they, that's they, your that is <laughs> what you are coercing others, okay but you better give some gifts to people who do it sure i'll do that so uh, i've been sure go ahead actually uh, before we go to that point I, i will tell you why i am interested in prediction markets and the, it goes beyond the wisdom of the crowd's argument i think it is a good very good tool for reflection now what happens is individually i'm look not looking at from the people who are conducting this but uh, as a participant in a prediction market what happens is often especially in the policy space uh, we are all we are making predictions all the time right 
बट वेन थिंग्स डोंट गो अकॉर्डिंग टू हाउ वी प्रेडिक्टेड वी विल ऑलवेज कम अप विद वन और दी अदर एक्सप्लेनेशन राशनलाइजेशन या गोइंग ऑन आई एम श्योर ऑलरेडी ओपेड रिटर्न वाई वन पार्टी इज गोइंग टू विन एंड इफ दी ऑपोजिट हैपन्स देर विल बी अगेन ओपेड्स रिटर्न प्रेडिक्टिंग एक्जैक्टली वाई दैट पार्टी लॉस ओके सो नो वन इज गोइंग टू uh assimilate the new information and change their opinions because you are not tied to it you you superfluously move from one opinion to the other so when you are doing this prediction market thing and you are sort of holding yourself to an opinion at that point of time if things don't go the way they do it's your chance to reflect on this and question why i thought this would happen why didn't it happen that way right so this is actually what is called bayesian reasoning right right bayesian reasoning involves basically incorporating conditional probabilities and updating these probabilities when new evidence is provided so you have an uh, uh, one intuitive probability of some event to occur but if the things don't go that way you need to update your bayesian priors right, right. so that doesn't happen in general uh, life right you just move on you have rationalization you will give oh this was supposed to happen but things didn't go out the way you will have you will find out a third variable and explain it away so you are never reflecting on your uh, firmly held beliefs right. so i think prediction markets can give you that option where you go through uh, after a year of predicting you know how i thought and when i lost money which means i need to update some of my basic yeah price. absolutely so, true and i think that has worked i mean for me on an individual level hmm. uh, some of the big you know macroeconomic questions when i've gotten it wrong i think it it was a uh, good opportunity to go back and say why hmm. or why something did not happen i for example i'd uh, i'd made a prediction that the rbi will not lower the interest rates this hmm. time on the april 4th to 6th uh, monetary policy okay. meeting and ah. that was because of my prior beliefs that you know once you keep a neutral stance you generally don't go and change rates twice in a row hmm. but yeah i had to go back and actually what is your updated belief <laughs> my updated belief is that rbi can do that especially <laughs> when there's government pressure but okay. we will not go there <laughs> yeah that is for another podcast yeah. but let's move on to this point so actually this idea of prediction markets and all came from this book by tetlock and gardner right Correct. super forecasting super forecasting so yazid why don't you tell people how to do good forecasting what so, does that book say so the book gives a lot of points on how to do good forecasting i'd recommend you read the book hmm. uh, but i, I want to go through what two of our students did and okay. they're both in the top 10 in our prediction market hmm. so one of them jonathan has actually misplaced anupam he's knocked anupam off oh. and he's a number 2 <laughs> okay <laughs> and the other one not Jay- for long yeah <laughs> Best of luck, <laughs> and the other Jayant Kumar is at number nine. So mm. what have they done? Uh, and you know, a lot of things that they did mm. was uh, what super forecasting also talks about. Uh-huh. So first, what they did was they calibrated their. They made a lot of predictions, mm. and mm. they don't just make a prediction and let it be. Mm. You go back to that prediction and see. You know, one week later. you know is it still accurate Correct. should i refine it should i make another bet hmm. so you hmm. make multiple bets on the same question hmm. and as the time comes closer you know the accuracy also increases so you actually make a better you know hmm. uh, inf- better informed guess that way yeah. hmm. so that's one thing that they did so basically keep reacting to new information that Correct. comes in right not again it's 
partly what we were speaking about right not yeah. don't stick with some firmly held belief put your bet once and then leave it at that but keep reacting to newer information that correct mm. okay so yeah. that's one thing that they did the second thing that they did was actually do the research so you know tetlock uh, uh, talks in his book right in the beginning when uh, political commentators come on tv shows mm. they are no better than chimps who throw darts yeah. you know on a I board uh, mm. so how do you make sure that your predictions are better than a chimp throwing darts on a board mm. and the, the way the only way to do that is to actually research and read and you know then make a prediction mm. Mm. so that's the second thing that these guys have obviously done because when you read uh, you know what they've been writing about there's a prediction for example whether App- microsoft or apple uh will do something or the other mm. and the guy has actually read through he knows when the next meeting will be held uh, when the next programmers conference would be held and he knows wow. that you know mm. there isn't much discussion of so and so topic on it and therefore he is making his prediction so he has done his research he has read up about it mm. so that's the second thing that these people do the third thing that is done uh is what you talked about mm. uh assimilating information mm. from different sources that has not necessarily your information so things that uh, sources that contradict you hmm. uh, so taking those into account as well right oh absolutely i mean hmm. or not even contradict i think and certain things um if it's a geopolitical question to do with afghanistan i just follow pranay hmm. i think that's the easiest thing to do <laughs> yeah and if i am wrong you will also <laughs> no but that comes to group thing it, it mm. might it, it might help to actually you know even on geopolitical questions yeah. do some reading and test if pranay's uh, prediction is correct or not yeah How you ask can... me then ask someone from pakistan follow yeah. them from twitter <laughs> then maybe you will get two opposite <laughs> viewpoints right so uh, actually i just remembered a quote right uh, which ambedkar says uh, he quotes some uh, another englishman in one of his books and says that consistency is the virtue of an ass <laughs> and i don't want to be one <laughs> okay so right. uh, the idea is you uh, the, what you what jasat was also saying you want to keep updating your beliefs based on new information rather than being tied to a view just because you think that hmm. it should be the world should be the way you want it to be right then i'll go with my keynes one right what is when facts change i change my mind what do you do sir yeah. <laughs> i was about to say that <laughs> you know my uh, addendum to it right? yeah yeah that's in the indian context yeah. <laughs> when facts change i change the fact checker what do you do sir <laughs> <laughs> on that humorous point thank you anupam thank you pranay thanks thanks we'd love to hear what you think about this chat check us out on our twitter handle at takshashila inst or on our kora space all things policy For the latest analysis and research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, visit our website at takshashila.org.in and tune in for our next episode.